Hello everyone and welcome to Big Conversations by Ordinary People. My name is Caro and I'm your host today. I'm looking forward to a fantastic experience. We are joining you at the beautiful Bellwood Apartments in Chanja and it's a lovely day. My guest today is Alex. Alex, it's good to have you. Uh, hello everyone. Um, I am delighted to be here. My name is Alex Miambawazi. Um, I am uh, an amputee uh, who lost uh, his leg to a landmine uh, while serving our beautiful country, Uganda. And um, I'm happy to be here today. Thank you, Alex. Um, I, I like that you mentioned the fact that you're an amputee. I did not want to be the one to uh, bring that into the conversation. But um, the reason why I picked you to have this discussion with is you're one of the most positive people that I know in spite of the fact that you are an amputee. And so our discussion today is going to revolve around the subject of amputations. Mm -hmm. A lot of us never in our wildest imaginations imagine that we shall wake up one day and lose a limb. And so I'm curious to find out from you, how do you maintain such a positive outlook on life and still have the energy to do all the different things to you, you do, which you're going to tell us about, um, even when you're an amputee. But... Um, before we get into that, we are curious to know a little bit more about yourself. Um, for those of you who are listening on audio, Alex is one of the most stylish people that I have ever met. So we'll want to know how, <laughs> where does he get his love of fashion for? But before we get into that, though, tell us a bit more about yourself. Where were you born? Are you a father? What, what do you do? What's your day job? What are your passions? Just give us an idea of who you are as, as a person. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Carlo. Um... As I mentioned earlier, I have already told you my names. Uh, I am from Kavale in Western Uganda. Mm -hmm. um, I have very many siblings that I will not mention here. <laughs> uh, I have uh, two beautiful children. Uh, I have a wife. Um, I am a medical laboratory scientist. Okay. Uh, that's my day job. Mm -hmm. I uh, after losing my leg uh, when I was young, I was only 22 when I lost my leg. Oh my! To a landmine, and uh, I had joined the army before uh, finishing school. I had just finished my senior four when I joined, mm -hmm. and uh, there was a lot to deal with. Uh, our system then and probably now mm. our medical system doesn't provide for the psychosocial support part mm, of uh, mm, mm, when mm. people have gone through traumatic incidences. Yeah. So usually um, they, they will do the surgeries and the, the physical medication, but the mental part is not dealt with. Mm. So having lost my leg at, at a tender age, it was tough to deal with. I reached points of, when I was still in the hospital, I attempted suicide. Uh, I didn't go through with it. I, I sent for medication. Mm. Uh, thank God when they brought the sleeping pills as asleep. <laughs> and the nurses so the came and... Came uh, when you're already asleep. The nurses found the medication there and they, they took it away because in the hospital, knowing what we go through, yes. 
they they would only give us tablets we are taking for a specific time. You have to be prescribed yes. for it. Yes. So uh, I went through all that, and uh, at one point when I was in the hospital, I I as in pain. I was angry Physical at everyone. Pain, yes. yes, physically, emotionally, mm. as in pain. I uh, joining the army. I actually joined. Um, knowing that I was going to, to play for the, uh, then it was called Simba FC, as a footballer, as mm, a young Interesting. A young Actually, man. sorry to, to cut you short there. Mm. Something stood out for me, okay? Mm. You lost your limb when you were 22. You joined the army before that. Yes. How come you joined so young? I, I find I that joined, interesting. Uh, I, I shouldn't be saying this, <laughs> but I joined that when I was 17. Oh, my goodness. I joined when I was 17. So you and, were able uh, to get away with yeah, the fact as, that as, you... As athletic, as yeah, tall, kind of as big, well built, I, so. as a footballer. Yeah. Um, I had uh, like kind of dropped out of school because of fees and all that. And you were you in Kavali at that time? Yes. Sorry? Okay. Hmm. But someone advised me that if I went and uh, started playing soccer for the AME team... Mm-hmm. I would get time to go back to school. So your motivation was football as yes. a way of getting back yes. to continue your education. And okay. at the time, mm-hmm. uh, Kony was rampant. He was committing atrocities against humanity that can't, that had, can't be spoken about now. Yeah. And that was as well a motivation. Okay. When, when I heard that uh, if I pray for, for the army, I can mm-hmm. go back to school. And then there were these... Uh, ugly photos running through the newspapers. Mm. Those two specific reasons uh, what me motivated me to join. So, the as army. any idealistic young man, you yes. you felt that you needed to go and do something about what so, was happening. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay. So, off I went. Um, did my training, uh, and I was deployed in northern Uganda right away to go and fight Queen. Do you remember how old you were? You joined when you were 17. Uh, was, was that within was a year of that or is, a few months? We, we trained for a very short time. Okay, so you had still not only made... three months. Three months. So my 18th birthday as Found you the deployed. Line, yes. Wow. And as, what was that like? What was your initial experience um, of that? Because this, I think, was an active conflict at that time. Yes, there was fighting was. still going on. Do you remember what your first day as... You know, a young soldier um, was like... Uh, training, the army training was uh, was was as easy as it comes. Easy, because you're the first fit, one of... Oh, you were fit. As, as yes. fit. So when it you're fit, it's a easy. lot of uh, physical activity. Mm. And uh, as a first learner, I, I learned Kiswahili in like the first month. And that made it so easy for me to, to, okay. to move around. Mm. Uh, when we were deployed... It was tough. It was scary. We were literally kids, most of us. Mm. Uh, so we learned most of the things on the front line. So you mean to say there's a lot they didn't tell you in training that you kind of just confront when you uh, get there or it's not the way you imagined and then you get there and you realize this is much bigger than I thought? What you learn on training is to know what to do when you're faced with a certain situation. Yes. But uh, having a gun pointed at you is no one not trains something you for that. anyone can, <laughs> can teach you. Yeah. That you have you, you have to learn as a, a person in the field. Yes. Yeah. 
and how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Ha- having to see your friends die, no one can teach you how to deal with that. Yeah. It, it has to be your emotional strength that you have to take you through that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the, the experience I, I got within that time is uh, something you can't get from anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I learned how to be a man within that period of time the five years as actively serving oh so you you were active for five years before yeah, it's, it's within the fifth year that i lost my oh way. yes you yeah. are, yes i i can understand and um could you take us back to that day you know as far much as you can i know it's not an easy thing to discuss but do you remember what events led up to that but what what really happened for you to then lose your limb no, we, we were in um it was an active combat. It, it was a day like any other when you're in a, an when active you're, combat. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you wake up and then you get communication that the rebels are in this area. They have attacked such and such a village. And you go to do what you have to do. And that day like any other day was like that. We woke up, we were p- pursuing the rebels. And... Uh, when you engaged them, they had led us into a landmine field. And how many were you in the group? Do you remember roughly? Uh, we were we were many. Uh, those who understand the military jargon, we mm. were a brigade. Okay. So, but my group was uh, leading the, the, the assault. Okay, so you were on the front line basically. Yes. Mm. My group was leading the assault. So, we engaged with them, uh, had the fight. When they retreated, as in the in, in, in the we call it a reconnaissance team, like okay. an intelligence team. So you were the ones who go around yes. to see to see ahead what of the has rest happened. Of the group. Who yes. have been injured? Okay. Have they left some weapons mm-hmm. and all that? So it, it was within that process that uh, I stepped on a landmine. And uh, it breasted and I lost my leg. It shattered my other leg badly. And uh, the the most interesting thing is that um, I don't know where the strength came from. You know, some of the things are done by powers we can't comprehend. Yes. I had to do all the, uh, like, first aid on myself where were the rest of your friends we were like the intelligence group was we were just like uh six people okay and the others had also been injured others unfortunately paid so this one landmine yeah affected all six of you that were there at that time and some did not survive it basically yeah i stepped on it directly but they, they used to we, we call it rigging, like they would plant a landmine, then attach other explosives around okay. it. Okay, so it's like a system when this, when one, this one goes off. Yeah, it, it activates the all others. the others. Yeah. So the other activated ones are the ones that affected the others. The rest and, of your colleagues. And unfortunately, some of them had paid the, the, the ultimate sacrifice of the soldier. So I had 
to 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 do like the first aid drill quick on do myself. Do you remember what that involved? Yeah, what did I, you I, have I, to um, do? Among our military issue of clothes, there is a t-shirt like you always put on inside, like yes. a sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. So it's the one I I pulled out and like shredded in two pieces because we didn't have gauze. We had been in the field for quite a while and uh, we had no medical supplies and all that. So when the explosions uh, occurred, the other group which was on the outside, they had to take cover thinking... Oh yes, that maybe, there was an active attack yeah, happening that at that time. Yeah, an active attack. Mm. So I, I just felt this like sound I've not had and trust me I'd been in the field You've been in the field for five explosions years so you've seen some stuff. There all the time but that specific one was mm. deafening. So And I, maybe if I could take you back to that moment a little bit. Hmm. On one hand, you know, the last you're out, you're doing recon, you it's the hmm. last thing you might at what moment does it dawn on you that this has happened to me like this is me now you know there's like a split second where you realize yeah this this is is, uh, when i when i had that deafening sound i was like uh, i didn't know what was happening at at that moment i felt like i'd fallen in a ditch it was all dark probably because of the sand my eyes like involuntarily had Mm -hmm. to close close. Mm. so I I didn't know what was happening to be honest. So you were disoriented for the yes, first yeah, couple for, of for minutes or seconds. Mm. Seconds. So when I finally opened my eyes, I actually right away I was looking for my you gun. You are finding your gun. I was looking for my gun because I thought it was active combat. Again. And that's the training you had received when yes. someone so engages looking, you engage. Yeah. Oh uh, Unfortunately, my gun has had been disfigured because it's actually the one the that force. saved me, oh. saved my life because I was holding it across my chest, mm. and the shrapnel that was supposed like to go through my chest hit my gun. Hit and the gun. It was disfigured. So right away, looking for the gun without seeing it, I tried to stand, and I couldn't. Looking down, because. In my head, I thought I had just fallen in a hole. So I was trying to stand and. That's how your brain it. was explaining that exactly. sense the, the of loss of load. The leg. Because my <laughs> wow. right leg was like right away amputated by the shrapnels mm. and it flew a few meters ahead because, like, of recent, I meet the guys that I was with. Oh, so you have a few friends who survived yeah, the experience? Yeah, I have. Okay. Who say they, they found my foot somewhere oh my goodness as they were moving so wow um i saw that my leg wasn't there this this other one the foot was facing Hanging. the other side mm. and um that's when setting as like goodness i'm breathing no one is coming to my rescue i didn't know what had happened to my colleagues at, at the point mm. So, uh, what came into my mind was I have to find a way of stopping to stop this breathing. And how was the pain at that time, or your brain kind at, of at that point wasn't registering at it? At that point, adrenaline was high. I, I wasn't feeling any pain. Wow! So you've at seen your point. leg is missing, but see, you're seeing the blood. 
blood moving. But you're not feeling. The only thing I thought about at the at the point was that I am never going to play football again. Oh. That's the only that thing was the that first was, thought that came to your mind. Not I'm going to die, but I'm not no, going to play football I, again. No, I, I, I was only thinking about football at the mm. point. I was like, oh wow. So got out my my t-shirt, made bandages, mm. my gum boot. We used to put on boots, you know these. Yeah, I think we've seen soldiers yes, wearing them. Yes. Yeah. So when the shrapnel took off the leg, it left a piece of the gum boot, like. Oh, so it's the one yes. I, I pulled and it's elastic up. A bit. Yes, mm. I pulled up up to my thigh, so it had to work as a, a tourniquet. And this is something that you had been taught in training. That yeah. if you how how did you know how to do I, that? I I knew that uh, when someone I I have always had like a passion for medicine ah, as a kid. Okay, that 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 was my first love, being a doctor. Okay, that was my first love. Mm. So. I I some of those things you had known I, along yeah, the way as you grew up. Okay. As, yeah. Okay. So I knew I had to stop the bleeding. I pulled this piece of the gumboot that was left to my thigh level to stop the bleeding on this side. Then mm. used my my bandages, my the ones you got from your shirt. Yes, mm. My from my shirt and tied this other leg the way it was. I, I just knew I had to stop So your other leg was intact, but it was badly injured and bleeding at yeah, that point. It, the legs the legs were are the ones that were, were badly injured. Okay. Uh, the explosion of course sent a few like stones, small stones and sand to the arms. Mm. There were a, a little bit of scratches and, okay. on the hands mm. on the hands, but the rest of the body was intact. Okay. So I did that, and uh, of course my colleagues had to, like, I had to use, like, we carry around uh, our water containers. Yeah. It's what I used to to wash off the sand first. Mm, mm, and mm. this one, because this one was mashed up, mm. this I didn't do anything. I had to stop the bleeding only because I knew the rest was gone. Mm. So. As we settled, my colleagues moved in. The ones who had taken cover yes, previously. Yes, they, they, they also moved in after not hearing anything going on. They and do you remember, was, you know, it's hard to imagine how long. At that time, time seems to stop and continue at the same mm, time. But how long approximately was it between uh, it, you it getting these like, and people uh, coming? Just like three or three to five minutes okay. before they started coming. Okay. In. And mm. of course, to take over the 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 rescue plan mm. of continuing with the the first aid. Was there any that. additional first aid that was given uh, to you? Just maybe to help me, like finish up the covering, mm. trying to rearrange this the, the my my leg that was left on. Mm. Try to find a way of keeping as much tissue as they can yes. attached. Mm. Yeah, that they they had to do, and then of course, uh, start on start the plan of evacuation. And how far are you? Uh, how far away are you from base at this point? The distance we they have to move you back. Deep, deep, deep in the village. We didn't even have food at the time because we wow. had been in the field for for a while. We had uh, lost our all our supplies, and it was hard for like resupplying to to get us mm. and we couldn't like uh 
move back to, to the nearby bases because we were actively chasing the rebels. So we were far. Um, the rescue part, they had to ask some people to volunteer to take me by foot. So some of your colleagues in the army or these were community members who the took you back? Okay. It was and how did they carry you? Uh, we, we have stretchers you move okay. around with. So they had the stretchers. Yes, we had stretchers you move around with. Mm. So they had to evacuate by foot. The helicopters were unable to land in that terrain. So they had to first take me to the nearby base. So in this whole time, you have got absolutely no medical attention? Other than, no, the, other than first the first aid, aid, you have no pain medication, you have no antibiotics, no pain you have medication. nothing. The pain set up, like, uh, this This happened at around uh, 3 p.m. In the afternoon? Yes. Worst possible time of day, it's so hot. So, we had set off at around 5 Maybe just put this in context. Mm. This is you and your other colleagues that this have survived the explosion? And, uh, 12 soldiers, the, the ones who had paid the ultimate sacrifice, those ones didn't need immediate evacuation. So mm. we, we had to find some, some, like some who got injured were not like really bad. Mm. So the critical yeah. ones were yourself, myself, and one other and colleague. one other person. Yes. Okay, so these the others had to be like. Bandage move, up with move okay. for, try to stop the bleeding on mm. their injuries mm. and move for a while until they are able to be to, to okay. be evacuated. Okay. So um, I was actually the one who was the worst yeah, affected. Yeah, the other one didn't need carrying. Oh, he could was, was on the, the arm. arm. Okay. So they they had to support it and move along with us. So four people are carrying you on a stretcher. Yeah, twelve and people. Then they had to carry me. In turns, yes. in turns, yes. Mm. And uh, from 5 o'clock to the following morning to 5 again before we got to the immediate... Like, the so it was almost a 24-hour yes. walk on foot. So, yeah, we got the other side and... Uh, the only medication at at that date, at that base was actually uh, drip to keep an my, IV to keep you hydrated. Yeah. Yes. To, do you to the do you remember any portion of that journey? I mean, you are on this stretcher and your friends are carrying you. I can imagine you're in immense pain. Mm. What were your thoughts at that time? Um, I was only thinking about getting to the hospital at, at the Did you point. ever think you would not live through it? Say again? Did you ever think you would not live through that experience? Um, I don't know. For for some reason, at that period, I wasn't thinking negative. I had seen uh, fatalities resulting from landmines that happened like right away. Yeah. I had seen fatalities that happened uh, from other explosions that happened right away. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I was still conscious and yet I was losing a lot of blood, 
I wasn't thinking about I might die. Or so you were fully confident that you I, just needed I, to get to like, a hospital. You would get painful, through this. But mm. my only prayer was to get to the hospital. I, 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 I thought I would. I knew I would get You'd there. You'd be somehow. fine once you got to the hospital. As positive about that, the, the only negative thoughts were now, what happens? Mm, but at after the point, that, the only yeah. thing I was thinking about was, I'm never going to play football. And that was devastating. For you. So we got to the base. They, they rehydrated. There's no medication again. But then uh, that is now in the second day because I stayed on that base again overnight. Okay, so you travel for a whole day. You stay at the base for another day. We we are we arrived at at, at five, five o'clock. At base yes, and spent the overnight. night. Yes. yes, then it's in the morning mm. that we started moving. Now going to the hospital. You mentioned you had a food we situation. In, Sorry mm. to take you back. Second, you had mentioned you had no food at the time you were in the in the field. Mm. So your friends are carrying you for mm. this very long mm. distance, but mm. they have no food. Yeah, we had, had to. They had to dedicate some like um, we, we used to have what we call dry rations, like army biscuits and yes. that kind of thing. Mm. Yes, and that is what we really use, like. Uh, when things have gone extreme, mm. that's a last minute plan. Last resort. Mm. Yeah, so we had to, they had to give, like, those who had reserves, like the officers who have people that carry for them, mm. they had to give my, with the team that, that was carrying you. Yeah, okay. To give them some. Okay. Uh, then, yeah, that's it. So okay. we got there. On my second day, that's mm. when we, the plan to take me to the hospital came in. So this is the second, the morning after you've slept in the second base. Mm. And uh, they were going to move you from that base to the hospital now? Yes. Okay. We, we were in southern Sudan, actually. Oh. Yes, we were in southern Sudan. So we, we so they had to now take me to the hospital and I got uh, to the hospital at around it was coming to midnight on the third day. What time had you left? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, it, the situations at, at the time were very, very, very bad. What time had you left? So I'm curious. We, 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 we set off at around 11. 11 in the morning. Yes. And you arrived and at we midnight. we had to fast like you dodge the ambushes. Oh, here yeah. is an ambush here. They have to take this route. The roads were very bad. And you were drive. You were being driven at yeah, this point. At, the, at that point. Uh, were uh, you like in an ambulance or an army pickup? No, uh, Those big they, army they, trucks. They, they, the army trucks we use in, in fighting. Okay, so it's not the most comfortable there. ride yeah. at that point. <laughs> it was a tough ride until we got where it was safe for helicopter to. Okay. And because the 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 active war was like all over, mm -hmm. the helicopters were as as busy. Oh so yes, they were involved in the fighting. Later in the night, mm. when we reached this other base, which was a little bit safer, safer. for mm. yeah for for helicopter evacuation, we stayed there. So it came late in the night. So. 
by the time I was put on, on the table, it was around midnight. Going into the third day. And uh, as I said earlier, the, the powers that were at play. I, because I'm curious to find out how are you managing the pain for two, almost three days? You was, had no pain medication whatsoever painful, and you lost a limb. It was painful. I, I got, like, the, the tetanus shot I got was mm. when I reached that base where the helicopter picked us from. Wow. So, two days you have these injuries, no tetanus, yes. no antibiotics, yes. no nothing. And uh, that's when they, they introduced our uh, morphine. When as when we were waiting for for the helicopter to mm-hmm. take me to the hospital. Now, how I don't understand is how I was still conscious. You were conscious for the entire period of time until you were given the morphine. Mm, because I I had lost a lot of blood. Mm. When when they 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 did the blood work, I remember the surgeon, Doctor Caesar, saying. But you, man, how are you even alive? You were not you, supposed you to don't, be. You don't seem to have blood running in your body. <laughs> wow. So he was like, how are you even living? He was uh, a funny person. He was he, he tried to keep it alive. Oh, yeah. So as, kind as of... they were cleaning, uh, cutting the, the clothes off my body, mm. He was uh, there chatting, yeah. So this hospital is an army hospital that you're no, in? No, it's a, a general hospital? hospital. Lacho Hospital. Oh, Lacho. Yes. Okay. So I was cleaned up, taken to the, to the operation room for the surgeries, the, the, the first surgeries. And uh, what, what are they doing now with the surgery? Because you've already lost your limb. Um, the, How I lost, like... It, it was lost like on the lower part, oh. like through the tibia, but okay. the lower part. And then the 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 bones, the bones were all shattered okay. up to the knee level. Okay. So they had to do a reconstructive oh, okay. surgery okay. On, 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 on the leg I had lost. Okay. So they had to remove the, the affected part. Remember it has been days, days some of the so, tissue had yeah. died. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't save any part of the lower limb. So they, they had to do it through, get a clean cut mm, through the knee. I understand. Uh, yeah, yeah. To, to ensure like quick healing. Yes. Because by that time, the, the injured were very many, the hospitals were packed. So they, they had to make sure that they, they help those they can help and they give you for others. So you had to stay in hospital for the shortest time possible so that other people could come in. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. Caesar came with all the equipment showing me the chainsaws he was going to use. And how are you (laughs) feeling about this at this point? Uh, I, I, I must say that I don't even know what I was feeling. All I know was I was grateful that I'm fine. I'm you admitted to the hospital, yes. yeah. And that's it. Of course, the next thing I know, I am in the intensive care after mm. the surgeries for recovery. Then uh, to the general ward. How long were you in ICU for? Uh, three days. Three or four days, I think. 
I'm not certain yeah, about it's understandable. It was Yo, within a week. Yeah. Mm. So, and that was on and off, of course, because the surgeries were multiple. Like, oh, you so you didn't just have one surgery. Do this, then uh, after a few days, even the cleaning most of the times would be done from from the okay. operation room. Yeah. Okay. So I would have to be put under an assistant, Stevia General, mm, mm, for, for mm, them mm. to do it because I was going through a lot of pain. Yes. So, yeah, it was the surgery, intensive care, general ward after a few days. Yeah. So, so you mentioned your whole hospital stay was a week? In, uh, no, at not least a at week. The outset, that, or? That, that, that is between the operations and intensive care. And I, was, mm. I was in that hospital for uh, four months. I was taken to the military uh, hospital in Guru. Okay. So to continue recovering. Mm. By that time, uh, the leg that was amputated was already healing. Starting the leg to heal. Was, yeah, starting to dry up. Mm. But my other leg is the, the my left leg is the one that was still in very very bad shape. And what kind of uh, <coughs> damage had happened to your left leg? Um, mm-hmm. What kind of damage was it? You, you uh, my had tibia, wounds, my, my tibia was all shattered. Like uh, a significant piece of the bone was lost. Mm. Uh, my calf muscles were all torn off. So actually, like you see the blood vessels, the main blood vessels wow. open. So you had an, a lost limb and a badly fractured limb with muscle Actually, damage. The, and the, the first concession paper they brought when I reached the hospital was to amputate the Both. left leg and reconstruct the other one, which I refused. I, I said no. So they showed that to you and you yes, said, no, I can't lose another limb. Because I was conscious and mm. I had, if I had reached there when I was unconscious. They would have just done it. And uh, the military personnel that had brought me in was the one to sign. I would have lost both legs. Wow. But I, I told Dr. Caesar that this, you have to try and, and save, save it. Because mm. when he said that, I started imagining myself in a Without any limb. For the rest of my adult life, as like no, so uh, he said, "Okay, we, let's see what happens. If if it doesn't show any signs, then we'll have you're to stay lose in the it. hospital." You mm. So, because he there is this test they do, he told me to wiggle my toes. Yeah, mm. I couldn't. I couldn't move my foot. So, and that was like. A sign that that the foot had died. Yeah, mm. but I refused. So that's how my leg survived. Are you a very stubborn slash optimistic person by nature? Because the the things that you describe, you have to be somebody that's tremendously I optimistic <laughs> and stubborn I, as well to I, hang on I, and say I you are I not going to do. Don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but they are. The period I spent on the front line and mm. what I had seen, yeah, it 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 made me grow up very fast mm-hmm. from a boy to to a man that had to see things differently. I see, and 
I like I don't understand what happened, but some of the things I would look at and I would say no. This I am not taking. You just know within you this is not a choice for me. I'm not yes. going to make it. Okay. So yeah, they tried all their best and repaired it. The the bone grew back up. They they put some metals in and uh the process took its time and the the leg healed. So four months in Lochor, then uh, you go to the Gulu military hospital yes. for how long? Uh, for another three months. Okay, so that's seven months. Before I was sent to Bombo General Military Hospital, uh, where I also stayed for two months. So that's nine months. Yes. Then I was um, now this. This uh, is something we don't usually talk about. I was sent to a rehabilitation center, okay. a rehabilitation center, mm-hmm. where I stayed for a month. Then I was again readmitted in the uh, general military hospital because of the, this leg. It hadn't healed up to Very that point. Well. Yes. Okay. So I went to Mbuya. And uh, that's when reality set in. So it's about nine months later that you yeah, begin to feel the weight of what's happening to you. Reality set in and I was like, okay, my football career is gone before it even began. L- let me ask something. Was there a particular incident that maybe sparked it off for you and then it dawned on you that you your life had changed up until this point or was it a gradual process of um coming to that realization? Let me, let me take you back a little bit. When I was in Lacho mm. that's that's when I actually like I was angry. I was in, in the general ward and I was seeing rebels who had also been injured and I knew I had lost many friends because of these same people, and we were being treated. Put together the in the same ward? Hmm? Were you in the same ward? Yes. Oh, my goodness. We used to be on the same ward. So the ward. guy next to you could be a, the rebel that planted the exactly. mine that blasted your legs. Exactly. How did you live so with that? So I was angry at the point. Mm. As I was unable to talk to anyone. Until that point, I, um, I sent for pills. Because so they, you they were in Lachor when you yes, sent for the pills? Lecture, yes. Okay. So I sent my caretaker for Valium, a team of Valium. And was this one of your things. fellow soldiers? Yes, or was a soldier that had been assigned. Assigned to take care of you. To take care of me. Yeah. Okay. And for him, he, he understood your situation. Or? Intentions oh. So when he brought the team of Valium, he put it on the side table, on the bedside table. And uh, yeah, the, the nurses came to like give us another round of treatment, and they found it and took it away. So there was these nurses that were there. They tried to chat me up. Meanwhile, all that time, no one I was actually at home going to knew ask about what that. was happening. So you have no contact with your family. Yes. And you they didn't uh, even know where I was. I had, I had not told anyone. You didn't tell them you were going to join the army. No. 
Where did they think you were? I I I, I didn't know where they thought I was. So did you just up, wake up one day, leave your house, and just be like, "Bye, guys, I'm uh, going out for an evening," and you didn't come back? I just like left. I just left after seeing it, finishing my senior four. I had just enrolled in senior five. So I left school actually. Oh, so your parents thought, your family thought you yes, were at school. They thought I was at school, then holidays came. I and you just there. didn't go home. Yeah. Wow. So. So you were really alone emotionally, if we can. Yes, yes. So, of course, these nurses now started chatting me up. They brought me magazines to read. Trying to cheer you up a little bit. Yeah. And this is after the Valium incident? Yes, that's, okay. that's after the Valium. Because they, they noticed I used to keep it to myself. Yeah. And um, I would only talk to my caretaker when I need something. Or call the nurses when I'm in pain and mm-hmm. I need something mm-hmm. for pain. Mm-hmm. But the rest I was keeping to myself. So after the Valium incident... They thought it was, uh, I don't know, they started coming closer, chatting me up, bringing magazines to read. And that's how I found um, the contacts of the radio station in Kavali. Oh. Like, it was, at the time, it was the only FM radio that was in Kavali. So mm. I called the DJ. How did you get a phone? The, the phone the, number was there. So no, I mean the, the phones, like the phones, the mobile phones had already oh, come. Oh, okay. So I found a way of contacting the mm, guy. Mm, mm. I borrowed the phone, called him, uh, asked him about my stepdad. And was and, your stepdad known at that time? Him. Okay. Mm. He actually even had his number. Oh. So he gave me his number, then I called them and told them what had happened. But of course, they couldn't come there. It what was, was tough. their reaction? You've not been home for all these months, and then you called to yeah. say, Hi, I lost my leg, I'm in the hospital. I joined the anime, the ABCD. How, How did your stepdad take it? I, of course, they hung up. <laughs> they hung up. To deal with it. Yeah. She, he told my mother. How did she take it? Uh, of course, it, it was ugly. Because uh, partly she was... Partly why I, I ended up there. But that's it's another different conversation. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so as I ended up in the general military hospital, yeah, again. And up until this time, has anybody come from home to see you, or you um, know, they hadn't been able to in, do that? In the year that uh, my cousins finally came to see, see you, okay, see there. and um, that's when setting as like now, football is gone. I have no education. I can't progress in the army. By the time I was now 23. You, just to clarify, you felt that you couldn't progress because you had lost a limb? Yes. Or it's the policy that if you lose a limb, you cannot progress? Yeah, if, if you're injured to the level oh, of my injuries, yes. then there's nothing else you can do in the army. Because 
you have to do like progressive trainings to get uh, promoted. Yeah. Then yeah, all that. So I in my head the only option was now formal education. Mm-hmm. I knew what I wanted. And so, what did you want at that time? Uh I I knew from the beginning as I said earlier. Mm. My my first love was, was medicine. Yes. Okay. So I bought books. I bought textbooks. I bought pamphlets. I called the, the friends that I knew and bought their notes and all that. So I started reading from my hospital bed. So um you mentioned you bought books. You're still on the army payroll <coughs> at this point, so you yes, can get a little yes. bit of money yeah, at they, least. Yeah, they keep you on the payroll. Okay. They, okay. They try to rehabilitate you physically. Mm. In Uganda, to be honest, there is uh, apart from Tavika, mm. there is there is no psychosocial support. In, in, in like among people who have gone through traumatic incidents and yes. this I say confidently because mm. I went through it and I have seen very many people I have helped so many people go through it it's most especially victim accidents mm. uh, accident victims uh, traffic accident ah, victims yes okay so in the hospital I bought textbooks and all that and started reading. So these are what level? A level books? A level. Okay. I bought A level books. And what course had you what what subjects had you signed up for in S5? You mentioned you um, left. I I started uh, I did uh, BCG agriculture, ah, biology, okay. chemistry, geography and, and agriculture. agriculture. Yes. Okay. Mm. So I started reading. I had wanted to do art, but I didn't have an art background, so mm. I I decided to do Geography Agri- and agriculture. Okay. So, um, I read for around eight months. I reached a point and I was, of course, discharged. I, I read on the bed for around five months. It is within ti- that time that uh, this leg actually, like, I, I call it healing, but mm-hmm. it wasn't healed properly because it took like another 12 months. When I was still seeing bone fragments coming wow. out of this this leg mm, mm. to push the the tissue and then the bone comes to the surface, then you pick it out. Bone. Wow! So around five months, I read when I was uh, the hospi- on the hospital bed, and uh, then I was discharged. But I I I got accommodation within the barracks. And then uh, they had to had to get my first artificial leg when I was there, so I was using all that time. They are still very angry at everyone, and as like I used to keep to myself, I was in pain. I didn't sleep, so as putting all that in reading. Mm-hmm. That was your escape, your way yes. of dealing with whatever yeah, was happening was... to you. And the the artificial limb was paid for by the army, oh, or you had there, to pay it for was, your. Own? Um, there was uh, uh, the the Red Cross ICRC, ah, yes, in Guru mm. Guru Hospital. Yes, this time, the, mm-hmm. the government mm-hmm. hospital. Mm-hmm. 
ICRC had a workshop there, mm. and that's where I got my first artificial leg from. Okay, so this was absolutely free. The, the hospital would give it to anybody that had yeah, been amputated. Yeah, ICRC was there to take care of people who had lost uh, okay. legs due to that conflict. Mm. 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 So, yeah, I was there. Then uh, within eight months, I was registering for my LL exams. Do you registered under a school or the barracks? I registered. There is a school near Mbuya, uh, uh, Mbuya Barracks. Mm. It's called Uphill College, Mbuya. Okay. Mm. So I went there, discussed it with the headmaster. Mm. Uh, all that time when I was reading, I would get the, like, the progressive tests they are doing. Oh, okay. So you do then exams and the tests. And send them okay. there. They mm. mark and all that mm. um yeah until i registered and went and sat as as you can imagine it was tough but i was able to get my two principal passes so for you sat for the biology chemistry, chemistry geography, geography and agriculture, and agriculture. Okay. Mm. so yeah i i sat for the papers got my trip two principal passes mm went to the paramedical school and did uh, a diploma in medical laboratory technology. And who's paying your tuition at this point? Your army at, salary? At the point, I was paying for myself. Okay. as like hustling to, mm. to go through it. So, yeah. Uh, I did my diploma. I finished it. Uh, went to Mbara University for my bachelor's in medical laboratory science, did it and finished it, and that's how I'm serving. Still so you're serving currently serving um, in the army as a medical laboratory assistant? Scientist. Scientist, sorry. Yes. And this is a position that you, you said, you mentioned you remained on the army payroll, so <coughs> you were hired to it as army staff, it wasn't something you had to apply for i don't know how the process works no you you don't have to apply mm. um uh the the good thing one of the the, the advantages i attribute to to the system of our army is that when you show an interest of studying they give you a study leave oh and when they give okay. you a study leave they keep you on their payroll okay. so it's a paid leave okay and uh that's 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 the beautiful thing about it and then of course when you're done with school mm. they deploy you okay. where your profession okay yes. okay so okay. i didn't have to apply okay or, yeah all right mm. so that that's that's been quite a story i can't even mm. imagine how much time <laughs> we've spent discussing it but mm. that's fascinating how then you know you've one theme that kept coming up and i can understand anybody having mm. gone through what you went through, especially in your context, mm. the anger of the whole situation. Mm. What were you most angry about? As 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 anger at God, as anger at like everyone, like I would tell you kindly helping with uh, let's say there's like a bottle of water mm-hmm. down on the bed and I tell you to get it for me and you'd lay I would get pissed. Someone asking me, like, even when I'd gotten out of the hospital, someone asking me what happened to you, you that would piss me off mm. as angry at 
my mother as um, very many things and as always asking myself why me why me why me why me and that is something that most of the people have gone through traumatic incidences that that is always their downfall the anger yeah looking at the negative side all the time mm. at what point for you did you begin to realize one that this anger is not good for me and how did you then work through it to, um, to get to a place of positivity doing my diploma as like always the first person in class and the last to get out because i i didn't want the limb i had at the time was mm. funny it used to make a lot of noise oh and i didn't want like my classmates to always ask You didn't uh, want to draw attention yeah, to yourself. Happened, da, da, mm. da, da, da. So as still so negative at the, at the time. Mm. Mentally, emotionally as very very negative. But after finishing my diploma, my uncle, my maternal uncle had um, had a friend whose child was admitted in Mengo Hospital. The kid had cancer osteosarcoma how old was the child do you the, the child was around 14 oh so he was young so this younger had uh, refused the amputation oh she had said i'd rather die than lose my limb yeah of cancer with my two legs than lose my limb and, and continue living yeah so they had tried to talk to her and she wasn't listening So my uncle said uh, there is someone I think you should talk to. Your uncle mentions this to you. Yes. Okay. Um so uh, I went there to the hospital. Yes, mm. I went to the hospital. At the time I was still concealing my my disability as well. So I you made sure on, you put on full put pants on jeans and yeah. And I would be very conscious of how I walk even like I, I I remember like I would find like people sitting here and when I I'm walking past them I I I would literally like freeze I didn't want people to notice as limping and the noise the leg was making so I went to visit her and I didn't know what what to tell her. people like what as portraying outside people thought as this strong person had overcome the perfect this, person yeah had overcome this so people didn't know what I was dealing with internally so i went met the girl i didn't know what to tell her but all i told her was i told her my story like I've yeah said it here how mm. i joined and how old i was when i lost my leg and what i have done in the time after in, in the time after mm. so i had my diploma to, to boost around with mm, that mm, mm. as starting to be proud of myself say so i have achieved. been able to achieve this yeah. despite all i had gone through so i told her the whole story and then uh, when i was walking away she didn't say anything As I was walking away, she only asked me about. But you said you you lost your leg. How come you were you walking? You're walking into yeah. legs. 
So I told her, yes, you can lose your leg, but you will be able to walk again and do whatever you want to do in life. Mm. So I left. Before I even got home, uh, the kids' parents called me and they were asking... What did what you I tell had. her? Yeah, they were like, <laughs> what did you tell her? Because she has told us to do what? To, to do the amputation. To schedule the, 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 the surgery. Wow. So when I had that, that was like my turning point. Mm-hmm. That's the period I was like, okay, so my story can actually it can help change somebody. people's lives. Mm. Uh, then like um, a few weeks later, as in town, as in town, I was coming from Crane Bank, the then Crane Bank, crossing City Square. Mm. And uh, my leg snapped, my artificial leg snapped, and I fell in the middle of the road. Oh my goodness. And this traffic? And yes, like wow. uh, the way they were made, it mm. was covered all over, not like the one I'm using currently. Mm. So we used to put cosmetic stockings on top, oh. and it would, like, when it snapped, these cosmetic stockings were holding the foot on the upper part. So the foot was facing on the inside, and I, I thought I had just missed a step and fell. When I tried to stand, I fell again. And trust me, you, you know how the, the taxi drivers and board, the border border guys behave. They, they, I got my good share of abuses there. They so couldn't notice that they, there they was couldn't. a bigger problem? They, they didn't know what So they was just happening. thought there's this guy sitting in the road. They, they saw the leg was broken and facing the other side. But I wasn't screaming like oh, how someone was broken yeah, the leg I know. would scream. Mm. So I, I, I leaped on my one leg. Which is equally not as yes, strong, I presume. Crossed the road. And uh, I remember the first border guy, I stopped. He actually refused to take me. He said, he saw my leg. Like, you, you can imagine the leg is broken. Mm. The foot is facing on the inside like this. And someone is not screaming in pain. <laughs> And so they couldn't get know, it yes. cognitively. They couldn't understand. Actually, the guy used these words. He was like, "In the Sirikumisamwajakumi." Oh wow! The border border guy, and he left. He refused to take me. So the next one I got, as he was stopping, I right away found my way to sit on the on his bike ah. and told him to take me to Muragro, the, the orthopedic okay, workshop. Okay. So I reached there and they welded it back and so it's uh within that period remember I had met the other girl. Yes, your uncle now my head was like you could have saved this girl's life. Then I experienced that on the road, and I was like, okay, people don't know my problem. How can they help you? <laughs> so this share of abuses from the taxi guys, they could be right. And that is around the time I decided that now I am not going to put on trousers again. That's when I started putting on shorts. So figuratively, you kind of embraced this loss of a limb yes, and said, you know what, yes. this is part of me now and it's okay that people see it. Yes. So the, 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 like, 
there's this cascade of events that were Led started that. by that girl. Mm. And uh, now I started putting on shots. I went to the hospitals and like left my phone number there. Oh, wow. Voluntarily. So yes, you just say if somebody like, has like, this problem, yeah, call me. I can talk to them because trust me, my actual healing started when I met that girl. In terms of your emotional yes, psychologically, healing to, to accept this my, my thing that mental, had happened. My, like, my mental stability was like reset like my mind was reset by the by that incident yeah yeah and then i noticed that every time i would share the story with someone who is going through the same yeah it would help them as much as it, it helped, helped you so yes. it was healing by healing basically exactly <laughs> and actually that's how the slogan of the organization i started came up sharing is healing ah sharing is healing so um yeah i started putting on shots and then that's when like people going through this started flowing in so they would just notice you and be like this guy gets what i'm going through let me speak with him and and most of them have been brought to me by their relatives Mm -hmm. friends someone meets me what gets around yeah and they're like uh, i have someone who's struggling leg Mm. i have some parents who have a kid who is disabled and Mm. they don't know Mm. how to Mm. deal Mm. with Mm. it Mm. some of these parents have kids that were born with disabilities but as the kids start growing up Mm. become comes an issue yeah because they are probably bullied at school there and the parents now don't know how, how to, to deal, deal with that. that yeah so moving around in shots help just started coming mm. and then i kept on now meeting these people here and there mm-hmm. meeting this one mm-hmm. i talked to them going to hospitals i talked to these people and uh, i noticed that every, every person you would have a conversation with like literally their lives would change, would change. Like, right away mm. you like you find someone in the hospital who is not talking to anyone because they're depressed and they've just yes. closed in and then they see you walking, walking to them <laughs> and before you even talk to them you see their face light up and that is the, the sense of gratitude that i get from all this mm. and it fills me up with happiness and contributes a lot to my healing mm, mm, and trust mm. me this healing is when when you've gone through a traumatic situation like i went through and like many other people go through yeah the healing never stops it's an ongoing it process it's, it's an yeah. ongoing process and mm. you have to always find a way of like staying in the line in the positive line mm. positive direction all the time um you mentioned that you have two children and you have a wife how did you meet your wife at what point in this journey does she come uh, in? i haven't been uh i haven't been so lucky with relationships unfortunately i have two kids each have their own mother but then along the way, I met a partner who is very, very understanding. Yeah, she, she's the one yes. I'm most interested in hearing about who's because very, I presume very she found you when all of this had happened. Yeah. 
Okay. They actually had both my kids after this. Um, I met her. She's called Elizabeth. And when we met, it was uh, it's a funny story. It's the, <laughs> us- the good ones usually are. <laughs> it's a funny story because we met and in like two weeks, it was as if we had been known each other all your lives. Yeah. Mm. And uh, yeah, since then, we've, we've been together, the kids, literally know her as their mother. The, the reason why I actually brought her up was <coughs> um, because for an, a young man listening to you, mm. this is a big deal. Someone mm. will look at himself and say, can anybody love me if mm. I don't have a leg? And also in terms of self-perception, at what point did you get to a point where the loss of a limb was not something that you defined yourself by and so you were comfortable in your own skin enough to be intimate with another person and it's not a big deal? Mostly mostly what um what what keeps us isolated, what keeps us secluded is uh, our mindset. When when you 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 haven't healed psychologically, you you you're very negative about literally everything. Mm-hmm. And trust me, when you're so negative, it's it's like it it like radiates off of you. Like when you're around people, they just people know. will feel the negativity, mm-hmm. the, the negative mm-hmm. vibes, mm-hmm. and like. Now, if I talk about myself, before my healing setting, I, mm. I used to keep to myself. So it, it would be hard for me to even have a conversation with you. Yeah. So once you're so negative, then you, you will not be able to relate with people. Mm. But once people see how positive you are and see that you actually living your life the way you're supposed to live it, mm. uh, irrespective of the circumstances you're in, people get to relate to you. People, humans are humans. We, there are very many people that understand. Oh yeah. Today, he lo- he has lost his leg. Tomorrow it might be me. Mm-hmm. In in like when you call it the assembly, if you're oh, young, yes. you can't laugh at someone who is disabled mm, mm, because. Mm. I lost my leg in the army. Others are, are born without legs. Yeah. Others lose their legs to being knocked on the roadside. Mm-hmm. Others are sitting on a motorbike and they fall and they lose their legs. Like we are saying, others are losing their legs to cancer, mm-hmm. to diabetes. So there are very, very, very many like incidences that can happen to any of us. Yeah. So they they are there will be always some people that get that. And people fall in love with character most of the time. Yes. It's not the mm-hmm. physical appearance. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Like, uh, like when I meet these people, like the people who have lost their legs, especially the young ones, mm-hmm. that question always comes, comes up. up. Mm. Am I ever going to date? Will I get married? And I usually tell them, man, 
you you lost a leg you didn't lose your private parts <laughs> or your heart i like that your, that's quite brain. that's quite nice mm. you you still have emotions you can get married you can have children and i always of course tell them you use I your own examples yeah after the amputation mm. and uh, i usually tell them when when you meet someone you, you see now there is a lot of social media yeah and unlike me who displays it like really? everyone knows yeah that i'm an amputee and I'm, i'm proud about it because it gave me like another purpose in, in life. life yeah yes i went to school and have this profession but seeing someone get from point a to point b after losing their limb is is like what gives me satisfaction that energy, in life. Yeah, the satisfaction yeah. to, to continue living mm. so i always tell them if you're chatting with someone and you see the conversation head on that side that's the first thing you, you should them. open up and tell them by the yeah. way i am like this by the way i'm deaf by mm. the way such that they get to understand what they are dealing with right from, from the beginning uh, right from the beginning yeah and that's that's the only way to deal with it and the more you you put it out there the mm. more positive you you become about it so you you just i always tell them that we need to embrace like our current situations mm, 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 mm. learn how to live with it happily and forget at, uh, about the lost pieces mm. that is gone it is gone you whether you get angry whether you be negative when whether you feel pity for yourself it is never going to come back mm, mm, mm. and the life you have now is still your life no one is ever going to live that life for, for you, you. Mm-hmm. so it, it it is really up to you on how you choose to live it if you want to live it in misery it's up to you because if you don't decide no one is going to decide for you even if your parents your friends tell you please you have to do it. but if you have not decided you can't change it can't change so that is uh, what i always tell them and um if if you're dealing with child- parents especially of small children mm. who are being bullied at school and they are facing all of these difficulties what kind of advice would you give to this parent what do you tell this child to help them deal with that kind um, of difficulty the, ex- the experience i've had is that uh Yes, it is evident that someone is disabled. Yeah. But uh, most of the families have this tendency of like I don't know what word to use. They 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 like enable the child to be even more disabled. Mm. How is that? Like they don't they see don't them beyond their disability. They don't them to be them. Ah. Uh like they they don't allow the, 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 their kids to be themselves they they feel sorry for them uh. and yet these kids are supposed to be like free spirited mm. and do whatever they, they want. want yeah let them fall like other kids i think being a mom uh, in particular i would say sometimes this comes out of maybe not understanding what 
limitations will this bring but also what will it not bring because a lot mm. of parents are fearful for their children mm. and so the reaction to that is to stop them doing anything because exactly. they don't want them to get hurt exactly yeah so you're saying balance it out okay let your yeah, child let, fall let, let, them let them go through children. all of this let mm. them be children because it's it's uh, through the experiences they they have mm. by um adventuring whatever yes. they they have to adventure in mm. that they learn how to live the way they are okay uh like then there there are these parents whose kids have had accidents when they are already yeah mm. and they completely don't know how to deal how to deal with, with it. it yeah both for the child and the parent yes, i would presume the, the, the parents mm. are like distraught <laughs> like you you enter i have entered people's houses mm. and i i see like a picture that tells me these people are really really worried about how their kids are going to be mm. after that but usually when i get there and they see me walking and i tell them what i've been able to achieve after all that it all changes their perception it mm. all changes it changes their perception and they 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 let the kids they their children live free like yeah you there there are periods when someone needs like some physical help and mm. all that mm, mm, but mm. they let them be not having someone following them all the time you know what is going to fall or what or that So when I I get to them and they see me they are like wow so this person yes I always tell them you lost the leg but the life is there they have mm, to live mm, mm, and mm, you have mm. to let them live So what you're saying is that regardless of the age whether you're dealing with a child who is young and born without a limb or the key message here is somebody still has a whole life so let them yes let them live. as much as possible live the life, that life they have is there mm. you're not going to do anything about it it's now god that is in control mm. is the one that created you if you were born without a limb it's for a reason if you have lost a limb it's for a reason mm. he spared your life for a reason so find a way of living that life purposefully mm. and let him continue it's hard i i i can't say it's easy as yeah. i told you the healing is a process it doesn't end mm. like the there are points i find myself in that compartment where your still negativity not, yeah. is mm. and i think about it but then because i've put myself out there mm. to 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 help others i feel like i have to stay strong for very many people okay um so sometimes i i am dealing with <laughs> my own things but then i have to you have to stomach it and keep yes. going um i wanted to say to somebody that is out there and maybe they themselves or a loved one is facing with the loss of a limb and they don't know how to support them what would you say in terms of emotional support is the most important thing that these people can do if if i had maybe a husband or a friend mm. or a brother that has kind of just gone through this 
because sometimes when you haven't gone through the process like you have you're overwhelmed you don't know how to help this person you really want to help them but you don't know what it is that they need so what would you say are the most important things that people can do to support their loved ones who are dealing with amputations one 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 is um you have to make sure that this person is comfortable is it physically home. comfortable or you don't show them don't, that don't show them that you're more worried than ah. they sh- they are <laughs> some yeah, some people will show you that they are more worried than, than you, you are the one who the lost situation. a leg yeah. for goodness sake but you're worried <laughs> about his life more, more than, than he is yes so we should come so down and take yeah, it easy come down <laughs> and help them heal mm. and this the healing of, of trauma starts in, in the head you, you have to help them reconstruct this positive mindset uh tell them uh ask them what they would like to do, to do. if mm. they had finished school ask them how can we read just to make sure that you still you get can what you want yeah. your work. Mm. if they had a job uh, find a way of giving them the courage to go back to their jobs mm. and as well as the employers mm. most most of the people lose their jobs after they had had these accidents because the employers think they are going to be less productive. Mm. Unless like someone lost a limb, not, not his their head, brain, yeah. His mind, the mm. brain is still there mm. and they can still perform. Yeah. So the relatives, the friends, the parents, they they have to make sure that they keep um a positive environment about As well. this person. Mm. That's what helps in healing. Okay. That's because when someone is depressed they 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 will stop eating mm. then the healing will not happen the, the physical healing will not happen itself, if you, yeah it won't happen as fast as it should happen mm-hmm. so you mm. have to make sure that you keep a positive environment around the person okay and uh, of course because me I'm not a professional counselor i i am not but because of the experience that, that you I have gone had, through yeah it's it's what i use to talk to these people the the, the, the patients i meet mm. i use that experience and uh among the men i have met mm. some have taken up the same idea so we are now many that so there's now a community that. of people yes, out there who community. can and the, the organization I founded. Yeah, we're going to get to that a little bit, but <laughs> before we move there, there's something particular I wanted you to discuss. Mm. You mentioned that you've been able to walk into people's homes or bedsides and that's what gives them um, the most optimism. Mm. What do people have to do to get a good quality prosthetic limb if they need it? Because there isn't a lot of, it's not like a phone that I'll go and say, hey, I need this. So let's talk about that a little bit. If somebody is going through this process, they're going to need this limb to be able to walk. Mm. Where can they get it? What are their different variations that suit different situations? Mm. What are the cost implications like? Could you? share that with us a little bit um one um limbs in uganda we have a big problem mm. and that's something actually i've 
like we've been advocating for. Mm. Our health services system doesn't cater for that. Uh, our national medical stores, where like most of the things used in the hospitals are imported mm. from, they don't import um, materials that are meant for assistive technology. Oh wow! Be it artificial limbs, mm. be it uh, prosthetic eyes, be it hearing aids, mm. being white canes for for, for the, the for blind. the blind. Yeah. They don't. So they don't import that. You're basically saying that all of our national hospitals. None of them, if you, you, this is something you have to deal with privately as a person. There is no exactly. space in the healthcare system we for have, that. We have professionals, the orthopedic technicians that can actually make, make these limbs. Make the limbs, but they have no materials. We have orthopedic workshops in some of the referral hospitals. Mm. I think we have in Barara, we have in Tororo, we have in Bali, we have Guru, rather Murago. Mm. But the materials are never are not there. there. Mm. The materials are never there. We we usually depend on, on donations, donations of the used parts from the other countries. Uh, and that's what we use to, to refabricate yeah, and to make refabricate the limbs. And make limbs for people. Mm. So the the prices vary mm. depending on where you go. Okay. And the quality of what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the above me, you find someone uh, parting with like five millions, and uh, the below knee. So above me, sorry, you mean somebody who requires whose, a limb whose that leg extends was yeah, above, above the, the knee, whose stump okay. is above the knee. Okay. Then below knee is someone who has their natural joint still mm, yes. yes attached. They will part with around three millions. And is this um a little bit of a leg mm. that can be used, but it is always hard. But then, before anyone like thinks of getting an artificial limb, yeah, you have to first prepare this patient mentally mm. for the leg. Okay. Because I've seen very many people with artificial limbs, and they don't use them. Because they were not properly prepared, they treated them physically and said, mm. "Now you're you're good to go. You can go and get an artificial egg." But it's not easy using. This is this is a falling body that you're attaching to your main body, and you have to try as much as possible to use it as though you were normal. So, what goes into the mental preparation to get somebody ready to use a limb you that's have, artificial? You have to. First of all, the professionals that make them mm. need to try and always listen to the needs of, of the, the user. Oh, okay. Because if if you don't listen to them, because for you a professional, you learnt it in class, in class, mm. you've never used it, you don't know what the person is going to, going to go through mm, mm, to adapt. Mm, mm, mm. So you have to. Be a good listener as a as a prophetic professional, mm. and listen to this person. Every time you're doing the fitting, and they say, "I don't feel comfortable here," find the over adjusting. Yeah, and then the users themselves, as I take you back to where we said, it has to be you. 
you know that you have to live life. Mm. You have to make sure that you live as much as possible after the accident. Yeah. So I like we always talk to them and tell them man, you see I'm walking, but it wasn't easy to learn how to walk even yes. with the prosthetic leg. It wasn't easy to learn. Mm. You will be walking, you get bruises when you do that. You have to take care of the bruises in this way and mm. put it on again. Don't throw it under the bed. So the because if you do, then you never you never to walk. Get so used. what you're saying here is that even <coughs> learning to walk with a prosthetic limb is a process that somebody yes. has to be helped to kind of transition into until they can live with it and they know how to take care of of themselves in that situation. Yeah, mo- like most of the calls I get, mm. they are from people who have started using artificial limbs mm-hmm. but like one year along the, the road they somebody gives up because now oh they, have, they, they, they know, know how to how to, to manage saying yeah. when I use it my back hurts then I tell them go back to the person who made it probably it's not at the same level as the other mm-hmm. leg uh, you hear saying uh, I'm swollen here I tell them do this and this mm. and like one year along the way they, you, they tell you mom like I'm fine you don't hear them complaining yeah. you hear them saying ah my limb got broken where can I take it for to, to repair yeah yeah actually so, that's an interesting point you raise um, <coughs> because I'm speaking from a perspective of complete ignorance okay mm. so please do take the time to tell us where we can buy where we can take to repair mm. um I don't know about brands. Is there one that's better than the other for different purposes? What would you say? Now, like uh, this mine, mine mm. I got it from Sweden. It's it's a it's a different uh, brand. It's very comfortable. Mm, so this and would not be available what, in our market. No. Um, there is uh, there is one organization one company mm. located at uh Equatorial Mall. What's the name of it? Do it's you know? It's called I think Orthotech. Okay. Orthotech can uh, import oh, for you. They have okay. technicians who will do the measurements mm. and send them the other side and they, they import. Okay. But what they import is uh, majorly the, the joint knee, mm. the this lower part mm. and the foot. Okay. But the, the socket this way you put up is yeah. it has to be done here. They have to be fabricated okay. here. Okay. But uh like uh, abroad mm. they 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 have a, a, a more advanced technology that they will see how you're working using computers and like make sure they make a leg that fits into your gait pattern. Wow. Mm. So what we and we don't have that here. Even the, the organizations, the companies that make limbs, mm. they still use the the normal way of casting with uh, a cast of palis and mm, mm, make mm, the shape mm, of mm, your mm, mm, uh, stamp, then make a socket. Okay. So we we have a few here. Like um, when I started the organization. As taking most of the patients to uh, Pro Uganda. Pro Uganda is in Kayunga. Mm. It's uh, 
when they came here, it was a non-profit. Oh. So they, they were getting donations from abroad okay. of these parts, mm. and then they would make limbs for people for, for, for free. For free. Mm. So I would uh, organize through my organization, take mm. these patients there, they do their measurements, and they make limbs for them. Okay. But that has long changed. It's, it's now cost-sharing. Oh, then okay. uh, there is a uh, course rehabilitation yes, on Ontario Road mm. that sells limbs as well. Mm. Uh, they used to provide free limbs for kids under 18 years. Okay. That has also changed its cost sharing. Okay. And of course, there is Mlago. The workshop is there. The machines are there. The the the, the techs are there. Mm. But when you get there, of course, they will tell you you have to get some money to buy the materials. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, then there are a few other private. And are the materials available? If if somebody went to Mulago and they told them yes. you have to buy, where can yes, they go like to buy Orthotech. them? Orthotech okay. imports those materials. Okay. It's, it's a business. Okay. Using, okay. So they import those materials. Mm. And you mentioned Orthotech is an Equatorial Mall, yes? Yeah, Equatorial okay. Mall. Okay. All right. Um, this has been again a very <laughs> enlightening mm. conversation, Alex. I can't thank you enough for coming out to speak to us about this. We are going to end with your organization, mm. but before we get into it, I noticed on your social media you are a very physically active person. Mm. You kind of do all of these exercises. Could you speak to that a bit? If somebody has been um previously a very athletic person, or even if they have not been, what mm. kind of exercises can they do to ensure they remain fit and mm. also kind of ease their situation if that is possible? Then do we have any gyms that provide um, special support for somebody that's dealing with a lost limb? Um, when, uh, like after losing my leg, as... I told you my background was a sporty background. Mm. Uh, I started feeling uncomfortable. I I didn't know what to do. I used to to love running. I couldn't. The limb I had couldn't Couldn't help me to to run. run. Mm. I actually pushed a lot to try and find a a running uh, uh, blade. Mm. Like ones you see the guys using in the Olympics, yeah. they are super expensive. Mm. And the companies they, that make them, Autobook, Germany, also Sweden, they they only, like, get, like, uh, collaborate with companies like Nike, Adidas. So they work with athletic companies yes. to make them. They don't make them for individuals. Yes. Ah. Yeah, the individuals. If you want it and you have your money, you can. <laughs> it's not cheap, if I can imagine. you have, like, 40,000 US dollars to work with, then you can get it. So, uh, but with time, I learned that I can still exercise. I can do push ups, Mm. I can do sit ups, I can find over adjusting on what I eat to make sure that I control the weight. Mm. Because usually when I put on weight myself. I'll talk through my own experience. Yeah. It's hard to walk. So it affects your limb. prosthetic limb yes. if you've added weight. Yes. Wow. And this is just plastic and metal linked together. So if you overweight, it's easier for it to break. Oh, yes. If you overweight, 
then the, the stump can't fit into the socket. Therefore, so your leg there won't will be fit. an imbalance on, on the height mm. of the lost leg and the remaining leg. And then you get a back pain. And those back pains can result into other, other problems. problems. Yeah. Then most of the people who are living with disabilities have secondary illnesses. This is what we see, mm-hmm. but most of them, I don't know whether this comes from the depression, the anxiety, mm-hmm. you find them with high blood, high pressure. blood pressure. I have seen some who have had a uh, history of clots uh, and all that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I always encourage them to do exercises. Me, I've always tried to stay fit. Mm-hmm. I've, I try to cut out sugar as much as I can because because we are not very active. Oh yeah. <clears throat> that's mainly the force the, 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 the main source of accumulating the, the fats and mm, the weight mm, we pile mm, up. Mm, mm, so I I try to avoid sugars in what I eat I mm, try to avoid bread. Mm, I try to incorporate a lot of fruits in, in what I eat and mm, vegetables and uh like eat to just like so the takeaway message here is pay attention to your diet as much as possible and exercise what you have left you know exercise use your upper body exercises you can use your upper body if you have one leg Mm. and you're unable to do a complete push-up you can kneel down and do that actually do Mm. those Mm. short Mm. push-ups you can there are plenty of things you can do. You can mm. you push sit ups. You can stretch. Like those who are familiar with the yoga exercises, yes. you can stretch. You can you can do all that. Okay. I, I I always tell people saying that you can't exercise because you're disabled is is. Uh, <laughs> Don't want to, to use an <laughs> ugly word. But, but it's, 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 it's like a, a silly excuse, huh? Yes. Yeah, it's a silly excuse. <laughs> okay. Because like, uh, I, I, like I've i been uploading these videos and up until like within this week, mm. I didn't know that I can skip Yeah, I actually saw that one of you skipping and I, I thought this I is I didn't know I can cool. do that. <laughs> but then when I started doing it, it's... Uh, it's 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 a very nice cardio exercise. It mm. activates your whole body, mm, mm, mm. and because we are inactive, our metabolism becomes really no. really slow. Yeah, and then when it becomes slow, then you start getting issues of indigestion. Yes, you a lot of things. Then you put on that weight, and then you know that the weight. That's when you start getting all of these other problems. issues. <laughs> yeah, but take it to the beginning. It is your life. How do you want to live your life? Mm. Do you want to live longer? Mm. Now, if you want to live longer, what do you have to do? You have to make sure that you stay as fit as possible, as much as you Mm. you can. Try, like push yourself. Keep pushing yourself. Mm. Don't just sit there and say, uh, "I don't have a leg." So, (laughs) I don't have my leg. I don't have my arm. How can Mm. I even start exercising? Yeah, I've I've had people come up to me and say, "We feel sorry when you see like this. Why can't you put on trousers?" They want you to cover your your artificial yes, leg. Why can't you cover your, your artificial leg? 
So interesting. I have had um, family friends telling other people that I show show up my disability, while others hide it. That how is he proud of his disability? <laughs> how does he show it off? Mm. And to me, I always said, man, these scars I have here, I wasn't stealing when I got them. Oh yeah, as being not something, something I'm of. very, mm. very, very proud. Proud about. Yeah. I I know I did that. It's in the past, but I'm proud of it. So mm. if I can use my current situation to help very many other people that are starting uh, uh, again coming up, mm. then why not? I had asked you about gymnasiums. Do you know of any gym that would be able to help um, somebody the, the that gyms, was interested in that? No, that's another issue. You see. Like many other things in in this country, like many other things in this country, not just this country, in the world. Mm. Yes, other countries have adopted. Other countries have uh, looked at the uh, the issues of uh, SDGs, and yeah. they are making sure that persons with disabilities are being included mm. in, in everything. Mm. But like many other things. We persons with disabilities are not considered. So there is a gap in that area. Like I, let's say, talk about like the current situation of COVID. Mm. You see an advert on TV. They put a poster, and then they start showing how hands how to wash hands. A blind person, how is he supposed to see that? (laughs) You hear multiples of adverts on Mm. radio. How is a deaf person supposed to hear that? To hear those. You start preaching social distancing. How is a person who is who depends on other people for, for physical support supposed to go about that? Those are serious ban, provoking you all the, the transportation. Yes. And how do you people say get to hospital? People should, those who can walk we to work, work or ride bicycles. How is a person sup- like me supposed to walk to work? Meaning that it is the disabled person that will be laid off first. Most of them don't actually have the level of education mm. that have formal work. Formal jobs, they yeah. do their casual, casual work. You find them on the streets polishing mm. people's Someone shoes. Someone is a cobbler. At least they must have seen get it. a cobbler. So that kind of thing. It's, it's hard. Mm. So now going to the gym <laughs> that is inclusive that is now like going advanced because like many other things like employment is not inclusive mm. in the country and world over i think education like as well is, is yes, might, education not be, is might not be is not inclusive mm. you've seen schools special needs i like i every meeting i go to that has these technocrats i always tell them you're introducing other languages in universities, in schools, in primary schools. This issue of saying schools with kids with special needs, these deaf kids are very, very clever. They can learn whatever they, anyone can Anyone else learn. can learn. Mm. So I always say, what if they introduced like, the same language? Yeah. Like from the lower classes. As part of the curriculum. What, what do you think would happen That's in, in this country? Mm. Because usually, actually, 
like the disability of like a deaf person is not actually the fact that they can't hear it's the fact that us who can hear cannot, cannot sign. sign yeah so if we can't sign then that, that reminds the me of, um, of a good story I read. I even forget who wrote it. But basically, this lady got married into a family. Mm. Her husband was deaf, and then all her children turned out to be deaf. But she narrates an incident where they were having like a family dinner, and everyone else was signing, and she was not. And that was when it hit her like, it's actually me now that's disabled in this environment. Exactly. Everyone else is functional apart from me. So it's a question of how we perceive some of these situations. And I like that we've, in a way, been able to bring this out. And I know maybe your organization is doing that as well, to push it out in the public eye so that people can understand we need to make our communities inclusive for everybody. Because tomorrow we could be the ones anyway exactly. in that situation. Or you and, have and a we child need to that is yeah. out of hearing. Mm. You can, anything can happen. Yeah. You get it. So most of the disabilities you have are not because of the bearers. It's because of us who are yeah. supposed to change the mm. system. Mm. Mm. If I am looking for a job and you're on the seventh floor and your building doesn't have a lift, then to be honest, it's not my disability that is denying me a job. The access to the job. It's because yeah. the structures do not permit you to get yeah, there. They, they mm. don't they are not tailored for everyone. So the most important thing is advocating for inclusiveness mm. in everything. Mm. Mm. When I was doing my degree, I I felt even my diploma, mm. I didn't perform well in the practical part. Oh yes, because I would have to compete with the rest of the class, mm. and like the work points have these reagents, and by the time you get there, they have been messed up, and you have to take a lot of time figuring mm. out mm. which mm. one is where. Mm. 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 You get it, yeah. So and that happens to all of them. But if we were doing like having sign language, having teachers that know how to sign, then there wouldn't be a reason to have deaf kids Perform in special poorly. schools. Yeah. Oh yes, they could be in the mainstream education system and that exactly. helps them to learn how to blend in. If the with government everyone else. was uh providing braille and the technology for, for the brain, mm. these kids would be going to class with everyone else. Yeah, no, I I happened to go to a school where we studied with students who were visually impaired. Mm. And they did try because we sat in the same classrooms and, you know, we slept in the same dormitory. So for me, I think partly that was one of the reasons why I grew up with an open mind that, you know what, somebody can be blind and they're just like you. In, in, in every other way. But so many children especially are not um, exposed to this mm. and we kind of keep them sheltered. And I was curious a little bit to find out how have your children adapted to the fact that you have lost a limb? Yeah. Um, surprisingly, we never talk about it. They, they what ages are they? It, but they know... <laughs> They know that dad is a soldier, he was fighting, and that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, my daughter usually tells his, uh, her friends that uh, my dad is a hero, he lost Yeah, he lost his leg. He's a superman, I like And now he has <laughs> a, a, a better leg and yeah. all that. So, back to 
separating kids with disabilities that mm. special needs schools. That's what like the from the beginning they are being modified to do like a certain direction of things. Oh, yes. When you go to the universities, most of them are doing education, community rehabilitation. Mm. Like most of them, like most of the disabled, even amputees, mm. most of them I have met, they have done community rehabilitation. I always say, why? You know, why can't they be accountants and lawyers and exactly. you know all of these other things that they might want to be? Yes. So back to the gym part, like uh, I do this. I go to the gym with my one leg when I'm not feeling comfortable with that fissure. Mm. And I, I post it like for everyone to see. Mm. To know that, okay, these people also have a life to live. They can still do this. So when I'm setting up a gym, I should also think about it. It's a long way. We have mm, a long mm, way to go mm, to achieve that. Okay. But right now, there is no gym I know. Where do you go personally? Do you have your own gym equipment at home, or? Um, I I have like always gone to other gyms, the mm. nearest gym. Okay, so you just home. go to yeah. any gym near you, and you know what you need to do. Yes, so you kind yes. of help mm. yourself along. Mm. Okay. So I, I will tell the guy mm. I want to do this exercise, but I can't do it standing. Mm. So mm. we improvise. Mm. We find a way of doing it. Mm. Okay. Mm. Um. Well, we now get to your organization. What's the name mm. of it? What do you do? Where can people find you? How mm. can people contribute? You know, do you need volunteers? What, you know, just tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So. Um, when when I first met the, the, the girl that was going to be amputated and mm. all that started, mm. Mm. I started actively seeing patients as an individual. Okay. I would go as far as Ginger, Barada. So you'd Kasese, be in their homes or at hospitals or uh, wherever? Hospitals, okay. homes. Mm. But I was, only, I was using my own Your own money, basically. Own money, mm. Yes. But because, as I told you, it was helping them here as much as it helped me i had you didn't count the cost and i yeah i didn't count the cost Mm. so um like two years later i started meeting people that kept on telling me that of course people who had who would invite me to see their people Uh, their patients yes to see families that have people that are dealing with the same Mm. they started telling me why can't you start up an organization and uh, we find ways of supporting you. Yeah. So um, that's how it started. Uh, when you're on Facebook, you will find two pages. One is called Amputee Support Network Uganda. Mm. That was the original name of the organization. Okay. I had met a certain lawyer. I will not mention his name. Mm. And then I, I sold the idea to him. He's mm, also an amputee. Mm, mm, mm. And um, along the way, he went and registered without oh, my knowledge. Wow. And after registering, he had registered it without my... Uh, he actually twisted the name and called it Amputee Support Initiative. Oh. So they couldn't register it as... As that, um, yeah. yeah, as the, the 
registration due I couldn't register it because it had similar names. Mm. So um I I registered amputee self help network Uganda. Okay, so it's called amputee self help network Uganda. Yes, that's okay. the name of the organization. Mm. And um we have members. We are creating a database. Okay. We are trying to see how many amputees we have. We are trying to create a database of approximately how many people are losing their limbs in a month. In, so in you found country. that there there is no statistics on we, this we at all. We don't have statistics of mm. uh, uh, people who have lost their limbs. Okay. We have statistics that talk about disabilities, but they are which, generalized. Which are generalized, okay. but still. I I I don't want to put anyone on the line mm. but these statistics don't cover everyone because up to today we still have families that hide yes. their kids because they are disabled mm. so we are trying to do all that part of the things we do is uh, psychosocial support mm. uh, and peer to peer counseling mm. Uh, when you go on my Facebook account, you see me playing football. We yes, do, I have seen that. Uh, sport rehabilitation uh, through soccer, through sitting volleyball. So you organize yeah. tournaments where you know people can come yeah, and play and have uh, some fun, but also mm, be fit. Uh, we have tried to organize some, but it's costly. I can imagine because most of these kids don't have work, you don't have money, so you always have to transport, transport them to them, training, feed back them. to their home, feed them. When you have a match, you Accommodate have to transport them, them and feed them and of course give them some car allowance because mm. he needs to leave the pitch and know he I went away with something. Yeah. I, I, I have something to eat when I go home mm. and it is it is very expensive mm, mm, mm. Uh, we have we have like we have taken it to the national level we have like a national team companies oh. we haven't been able to participate in uh, in the main events mm. do we uh, have uh, and this is out of again ignorance mm. on my part do we have any Paralympic events in Uganda with the sports uh, uh, national yes, council we for have sports we have the Paralympic Committee, oh. but uh, like amputee football is not part. Yeah, like we haven't been admitted there okay. because it's a new development. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, but as it goes, mm. of course, they they always tell you the implication of money. Yeah, there's always the a cost and mm. all that. So we've been trying as Amputee Self-Help Network, we've been trying to find ways of uh, like selling our idea to, mm. to the other organizations mm, mm, and mm. see how we can do it. Because okay. my idea was do it as a rehabilitation tool entirely. Mm. Because I have seen what it can do. Yeah, A, a parent, you will go to a parent and tell them uh, we are trying to, to teach kids how to play football on their crutches. Mm, mm, mm. Like how, how, how is, is it that even possible? possible? <laughs> it takes us back to what I was telling you that they don't allow the, their children to be children. Mm. But then the kid starts playing football and it becomes a, a life changer for them. them. Mm. 
I have had kids that had refused to go back to school because of the bullying mm-hmm. and the other kids saying abusing them you don't have a leg and all that but then there are times you have had them playing football and then they were on TV and they became celebrities at school mm-hmm. and the kid now loves school more than ever mm-hmm. so we do that then we do like I told you in this covid time we have been doing the the peer Uh, support in out like home outreaches mm-hmm. you go to your home mm-hmm. and of course we do hospital visits uh, whenever we have our numbers there whenever we, there's someone there are some patients that will come and the doctors see that this person is really really needs need help to talk mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and of course through referrals now through the many members we have we mm-hmm. have a whatsapp group mm-hmm. we have a Facebook page mm. we have uh, an Instagram uh, page now through all that mm. we keep getting other people coming to us saying okay I would like to for someone to come and, and help some. me so, yes. do you have an office location for those that yes, might be we, interested we have uh, an office at uh, Cementi Chisimenti, the cube Just area. Chisimenti, uh, plot three. Okay. Yeah. Uh, And could you quickly share the Facebook, Instagram? Yeah, know, the Facebook. Handles? It's it's all amputee self help network. Amputee self help network. Yes. Okay. Mm. All right, Alex. Um, this has been fantastic. I can't mm. thank you enough for the tremendous wealth of information that. You have shared with us right from the discussion we've had. I can already tell there's so much more we would like to dig into. The, you know, when you were talking about the other medical conditions that come with having mm. an amputation, I realized that's something that might need an entire discussion mm. to really help people understand that. But for today, I think that will be the close of it. Mm. Uh, thank you, our listeners. That has been Alex on Big Conversations by Ordinary People. Thank you. Thank you, Carl, for having me. Um, glad to have been given the opportunity to share on this platform. Mm. Mm. Okay. Thank you, everyone. See you next time. Mm.